Good morning, friends. Uh, last week, Stephen spoke on Psalm 139, which says, the Lord knows our innermost thoughts. You know who else knows our innermost thoughts? The internet. And sometimes we post innermost thoughts that maybe we should keep to ourselves. Here's one person who had a helpful suggestion for struggling farmers. Y'all are making it so hard on yourself. The grocery store, guys. Come on now. Here's one woman who just really, why would we have a solar eclipse on a school day? Please, please, just, just pick a nice convenient weekend for us, solar system. How about this person who um, has got some interesting ideas about how the mechanics of a smooth ride work? I like the comment in the end. That's a smooth way to meet God. Guys, it is no secret that we need wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is a great way for us to get wisdom. Proverbs was originally written for young men entering the royal courts. It's a collection of sayings from uh, Solomon, from others, Lemuel, a um, bunch of other people compiled it together um, as they said, huh, this is really helpful for this class of young men. It's slowly compiled over a long period of time helpful proverbs of wisdom and now it's obviously democratized for all God's people to learn and to grow in wisdom so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks together um so helpful so good for us to grow not just in good advice and good ideas of which there is plenty out there some even on the internet but really being formed to get good judgment, good discernment, good ways of doing and living life. A wise life is fruitful and beneficial to all of us. Who here needs wisdom? I do. And I'm sure you do too. So that's where we're going to be today and in the next coming weeks. So Proverbs, Proverbs is a short saying that's generally accepted as true. Um, I'm looking right now at Proverbs chapter 10. Um, and says, people who accept discipline are on the pathway of life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. You know, most people generally accept that as true. Most of the Proverbs are not actually about God. They're not. Um, people have criticized the book of Proverbs and saying it is not spiritual enough, which is always a, a funny criticism to me. You're criticizing the Bible for not being spiritual enough? Like that's, um, I think that's saying something about you, probably not, uh, not the scripture. Um, but sometimes the Proverbs also aren't that easy to interpret. Um, the very next one in chapter uh, 10 um, says, Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Well, then should I just like go out and tell everybody like I, I, I hate them? Like, or should, should I be a liar? How do we interpret that one? Hiding hatred. Hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. We, we might have to nuance that. Lots of good uh, truth in there. How we use the Proverbs requires some wisdom in how we use them. So that's good. The Proverbs are all about leading us into wisdom. So as we look 
at Proverbs. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are an introduction. And then the next 20 chapters of Proverbs are those short Proverbs sayings like I just read. But in the first nine chapters, it kind of lays out two ways to live, foolishness or wisdom. And Proverbs is really clear that the foundation of wisdom is fear of the Lord. The thing that roots us and grounds us, if we're to ever truly be wise, is fearing the Lord. See, wisdom is something outside of our, our, ourselves. We have input, we have guidance, we have direction for more than just our own good opinions and ideas. Um, we have in Scripture a helpful fence that leads us into good pastures. Everyone has some constraints, right? You have some constraints. I have some constraints. Maybe it's what your family thinks. Maybe it's what the neighbors might think. Maybe it's the way I've always done it or what I have believed. Our constraint as followers of Jesus is the careful love and nurture of our Heavenly Father. We have a God who we must answer to and who also answers to us. We are accountable to the Lord and supported by the Lord. We're not alone. We, we have a source of wisdom. That's the Lord and fear of the Lord, accountability to him, uh, going to him, responding and honoring him. That is the root of all wisdom. So friends, let's pray together to the Lord. And then we're going to dig into becoming maybe a little bit wiser today. Father God, we do thank you that we are not alone in this life. Right now, friends, I invite you to just open yourself to the presence of the Lord right there with you. Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us as you have always been here right with us, as you walked earth to experience human life with us, you are right here, right now. Thank you that your presence with us is kindness and love, that you always meet us with forgiveness, mercy, and grace. We welcome you to come be our teacher today. We ask for teachable hearts, Jesus. Would you soften our hearts? Would you help me learn? from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in chapter 9, looking at this this morning. As I said, the first nine chapters lays out a kind of a discourse or a dialogue between wisdom and folly. And then the next 20 chapters are those short pithy sayings about uh, wisdom. So chapter 9 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. Wisdom has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, come with me. She urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to live, learn to use good judgment. So wisdom 
has prepared in an image very like Jesus preparing a banquet in the kingdom of God, inviting anyone in who will come. Not those who are already wise. Simple. That's fine. Don't have good judgment. That's fine. Come, come. You're invited to a good, abundant, rich, great blessing following wisdom. You don't have to be smart to be wise. You can come. This is open to all. Verse 7, anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. You want to, we all know this from social media. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They'll only hate you. Stay in your own lane. Don't try to, excuse me, excuse me. You made a mistake. But correct the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise. They'll become even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Here it is, the big point. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you'll be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you'll be the one to suffer. Wisdom is good for us every area of our life, every stage of our life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. Here's the contrast though. Verse 13, the woman named Folly is brash and bold. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway in the heights overlooking the city, which sitting in your door is an image of a very, a little bit like slovenly image. She sits in her doorway in the heights overlooking the city. So both wisdom is in a high place and both folly is in a high place. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me. She urges the simple. So both wisdom and folly, both have invitations. They're both whispering in our ears. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. Stolen water is refreshing, she says. Food eaten in secret tastes best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests, foolishness guests, are in the depths of the grave. But those who become wise will live many years. Wisdom will multiply your days. And fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So much good stuff here. We have choices and we become one thing or become the other. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard it said, friends, um, that we are human beings on a spiritual path, right? We're human beings with all our ordinary human limitedness, but we are on a path to kind of an uh, enlightenment um, as we go through our spiritual journey. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. I, I agree with that. In Proverbs, I think Proverbs was actually flipped out. Proverbs would say that we are spiritual beings on a human 
path, that our core is spiritual. We have to work out and figure out um, with God spiritually who we are going to be, make our choices, make our decisions. And then we're on a very human path. Um, so many of the things we do in life are, are human. Working out good relationships with one human being to another human being. Working out work, purpose, uh, how we provide for each other, how we build a life, meaningful employment, business, using our money well. These are all very human things that make up much of our life. But our core is spiritual. And if our core, if our spiritually we are connected with God, then we can live out these human endeavors fruitfully and flourishingly, which is what Proverbs wants to lead us into wisdom to do. So from Proverbs 9, here are a couple of quick clues that you might be a little foolish. Number one, you fear people. You're you're afraid of people's opinions of you. You're like, what are they going to think? You're easily influenced. You fear losing control. There's a, some levels of control. Your opinions are, are rooted in right, not in relationship with wisdom. Um, in much of Proverbs, foolishness is unloving. It's, um, it's harsh, not gentle. Um, a fool in all of Proverbs is unwilling to consider other people's opinions. You're stuck in your viewpoint. You don't step outside and consider other ideas. You are involved in other people's affairs, meddling. You have strong opinions about what other people should do instead of being just simply grounded and rooted for yourself in what is right for you. Um, There's some double standards, lack of impartiality. Again, strong ideas about what other people should do for right or morality and some looser uh, opinions about what you should do for right and morality. Always, foolishness leads short-term benefits and strife and division. But wisdom, the way of wisdom, number one, the fear of the Lord. We have a benchmark, we have accountability, and we have a God who guides us into good living. Loving relationships are just such a sure sign of wisdom. Being open-handed, willing to consider other points of view, learn, be teachable, being differentiated, staying in your own lane, minding your own business, sure sign of wisdom and long-term payoffs. Proverbs is so clear. The person who is wise will benefit, and the results are peacefulness, prosperity, and loving relationships. You know, I think of one time um, when I was in my uh, 20s, and uh, I just saw such a clear example of wisdom. It almost sort of like stopped me in my tracks. See, um, my parents were doing something with uh, they had this you know, investment property that's just kind of a little bit of a money pit. And I had some very clear opinions. I thought I was, I mean, I was right. Let's, between you and me, friends, I was right about this. And I just, I was bothered by my parents not making the right decisions. And like, you know, I just had much better ideas for their life. So I went to my aunt 
and I, I started trying to influence my aunt and tell my aunt about my better, smarter ideas for my parents' life. So I think that's probably your first clue when it involves someone else going to someone else. Mm, it's, it's not a good path, right? That triangulation. Anyways, I was right. So I went and I talked to my aunt. It's like, you know, it's just this reason and that reason. I just, I don't think it's a, a good idea for them all this time, all this money. Really, what investment is it going to pay off? And my aunt said, well, it really seems to be how they want to live their life and it's making them happy and it's their life. And it's just so clear. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I recognized it very clearly as wisdom. She had boundaries. She was differentiated. It just, and I wasn't expecting it either. I didn't think of her as a particularly wise person, but it just stopped me in my tracks. I said, that's wisdom. It was loving. It was differentiated. It was, I, I learned something that day. As we read Proverbs, there are two problems we typically have when we read Proverbs. The first one is absolutizing things. We say, well, this is what it says. This has to be it every time. Instead of letting it lead us into wisdom and discernment and good judgment, we hold on to one sentence and say, this is what has to happen every single time. Trumper Longman's a great theologian um, of the Old Testament. He says, the rewards and punishment of Proverbs, which we are given rewards and we are given punishments. The rewards and punishment of Proverbs are not guarantees. Rather, they are the best route towards a desired outcome. Guys, when I leave the church sometime in the afternoons, I will check my GPS, which I feel a little silly about checking my GPS about how to get home in the evening, but I want to see, is there a traffic jam on the highway? Should I take the back roads? So I'll check. What's the best route towards my desired outcome? And listen, it may change. There are no guarantees, but I want to know if I'm going to get home the fastest, what's probably the best way? Maybe the most famous most famous proverb is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. How many Christian parents have just torn their hair out over this, saying, I thought I did everything right. How? I, I thought I trained up my child in the right way, and now he's not going to... What, what happened? I thought I had a guarantee. I thought I had a promise. Proverbs are not guarantees. They are the best route towards the desired outcome. They are guidelines. Listen, good parenting is always a good idea. It will always pay off. Training up your child the way they should go is always beneficial. It's always productive. It's always helpful. It is way better than not training up a child in the way it should go. It will always pay off. But does it always pay off in the exact way that we hoped it would have? Maybe, maybe not. Alternatively, many of you, kids, teens, uh, uh, adults, you had parents who did not train you up in the way you should go. And you had to, to do so many things right. Does not having good parenting mean that you can never go in the right way? No, of course not. 
but it means that your life would be better if you had had better parenting and you've done so much and you've you've went in the right way kudos to you but are you wouldn't you be happier for having good parenting it's always it's always beneficial it's always helpful to someone later on in their years to have had a good parenting foundation it always pays off it's always beneficial but there's never a one-to-one equivalency we see this throughout the bible in many ways the bible forms this in kind of a, a ethos a spirit of wisdom not just like short little sayings that we don't have to then think about we see many examples in the Bible of parents who did a good job with their kids and the kids did not go in the right way. Uh, Samuel uh, and his kids. um, Now he probably should have been a little stricter uh, in some things, but Samuel, or sorry, Eli, Eli. um, Eli did not quite do, his sons did not go in the right way. Um, As a parent, I'd give Eli maybe a score of seven, eight if we're being generous, six on a bad day. But his kids Oh, their score is like two, one, reload. There's just not a one-to-one correlation between good parenting and outcomes. But train up a child in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. We know there's a blessing and a provision with that. I mean, like one of the healthiest people I know died from a heart attack while swimming at age 50. Does that mean that her years of exercise and eating right were just wasted. Gosh, you die from a heart attack at 50. What was even the point? I should have just eaten terribly. No. Maybe the heart attack would have gotten her at 40 if she hadn't, you know, lived well and lived that way. There's payoff and there's benefits. It's not always what we had hoped it was. Anyways, the um, so we, we have to... Be wise with reading the Proverbs. Next problem that sometimes we have with reading Proverbs is isolating them, taking them out of context, using it as this one thing without reading it in the context of all of Scripture, without having it in an atmosphere of loving relationship with God and with others, like so many things. In our Christian life, there is a vertical and there's a horizontal element to it. Same with wisdom. Same with wisdom. We can never uh, distill out to just get wisdom. It always comes with grace and mercy and love. Wisdom is loving in right relationship with God and with others. And part of it is wisdom helps us to not like, over-spiritualize some things like blaming everything on Satan like Satan made me do it no we didn't you wanted to do it um or like God will help me with this bad idea I sort of I sort of know that it's not a great idea there's something bothering me about this I I just know it's it's too expensive or it's you know not really honoring or really up the stress in my home life but but God will help me with this bad idea. Wisdom leads us into not over-spiritualizing things and being able to um, live in right relationship with God and with others as we use good judgment and discernment because wisdom is found 
in Jesus. Jesus is our example of wisdom. He's our example of wisdom lived out in a human context. As he lived life on earth, we see what wisdom looks like and what he has done for us in his death and in his resurrection is God's wisdom over our life. First Corinthians says, uh, when we preach that Christ was crucified, our, the whole big idea of our faith is that Christ died and Christ was raised again. Some people are offended that God would be killed in such a terrible way. Other people think it's nonsense that somebody would come back from the dead. But to those of us who are called by God to salvation, everyone, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. The Bible says the law came through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus who embodies wisdom with love in his eyes, with tenderness in his movements. He gently leads us into truth, into life, into loving wisdom. As we end, friends, I want, um, I want to invite you to pick one area of wisdom that we've, we've mentioned as kind of it's summarized as what it really looks at. One, one area that we have talked about. And uh, looking at these things, you know, being kind of stuck in, in rightness being versus being open and teachable. Having opinions about other people's lives versus just trying to do what's right in your own life. Being strict versus being gentle. Fearing God, making God your like, man, I, re I just really care about what God thinks versus caring about what, you know, being overly influenced by what other people around you think. I want you to take one area of that and then hold it up before the Lord. How is God inviting you to live into wisdom in the context of his love? It's Jesus who can move us from being stuck in our own ways to open and teachable, to live with integrity in our own affairs, not worried about the affairs of others, from fearing people's opinions and trying to be in control to fearing God and letting God be in control. Because friends, wisdom points us to Jesus. We say yes to Jesus, we say yes to wisdom, and wisdom says, say yes to Jesus. He leads us with love and kindness and grace into right ways of living. And right ways of living say, yes, this is who you should follow. Jesus is the one who brings that not into um, strict uh, dogmatism or, or religiosity, but into loving kindness, the right relationship with God and with others. Friends, let's pray together. And Jesus, we thank you that grace and truth come through you. That we do not have to be smart to be wise. We don't have to be educated 
to be wise. We don't have to have a great track record in judgment and discernment to be wise. We thank you that uh, the weakness of God dying on the cross is stronger than our strength. That your power, your love, your goodness covers us in every way, Lord God. And pray right now for people who feel like they have not made great choices. They have not been wise or discerning, Jesus. You have grace to cover all of that. And you want to lead us, informing us, informing our hearts to be wiser this morning. So we ask that we would exchange just one of these areas in your context of grace. We follow you. Jesus is not... Um, in Christianity, there's not karma, much as there's some truth behind the, the idea of karma. You're not a God of, of karma where we get what we give. If we're good, then we get good things. If we're bad, then, then we're punished. You're a God of grace, and you lead us into better. You lead us into new and good. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, friends. It's great to be doing this together with you. Um, I'm looking forward to the ways in which Jesus is going to be increasing wisdom in my life as we go through this study.